Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and at the time of the recording of the bulk of this episode, I am on an airplane. But don't worry, Cade and Randy are here to banter away. If you like what you hear, share the podcast, follow it, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. Well, welcome to Bevington Banter. Um, this is just another episode with me and Dad uh, recording, kind of some some late night ramblings. So who knows who knows what we're gonna get into here. Um, I don't know. We could just you want to just start talking about interesting things because the biggest interesting news, I guess, um, is that it's not just an offer anymore. Elon Musk officially owns Twitter. He purchased. Twitter for $44 billion, and just the threat of not censoring people is really sending the left into a tizzy. Yeah, from what I understand, though, there's still, I mean, he's made the offer, they've accepted, but it hasn't actually happened yet. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have to be worked out, so he is not officially the owner of Twitter yet. No, 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 They, they said they expected the deal to be done, money to actually, you know, go from bank account to bank account sometime this year. That's as that's as specific as they could get. So it's not no, it's not something that's already happened. It's not something that's even gonna happen in the next couple of months, I don't think. Yeah, and I know that he even um apparently brought some some more people in as far as raising the capital needed so that it's not one hundred percent all his money, but I'm not clear on who all those uh, additional people are. But obvi- but still not a publicly traded company. It'll be it'll be taken off the stock exchange. Correct. Um, I have also found it fascinating that because you're right, Elon Musk does not own Twitter yet, and he's basically made no changes whatsoever. But we've seen these massive gains in conservative um, Twitter uh, accounts in their follower counts. I mean, huge gains. Uh, Steven Crowder said that he had 50,000 gains, 50,000 new followers in a single day. Um, even smaller, even smaller accounts saying, you know, I got 11,000 new followers today. And typically they're getting maybe 200 or 400 a day. And they, all of a sudden they got 11,000 people saying that they're seeing some people's tweets for the first time in a long time show up in their regular main feed. Um, now on top of that, some Democrat pages like, you know, 18,000 lost 25,000 lost. That was like Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, Um, with numbers like that. And the interesting thing is just that it really seems like Twitter employees are just pulling out all of their, you know, their shadow ban, the algorithms that were meant specifically to promote Democrat um, accounts or left-leaning accounts and to shadow ban right-leaning accounts, not to mention if you're actually losing followers from some of those other big uh, left-leaning accounts, those were bots that Twitter employees are pulling out so that when Elon Musk does take over, they don't expose all of that. And that is why I felt just that just from being on Twitter the last three days, a massive change. It feels like a huge change already. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, to see people that first day or two just started posting stuff that would have definitely got you banned a week ago. Oh, like ago, a test. Just to see, yeah. yeah, what would happen. And nothing happened. But I heard Michael Knowles today say he had gained 80,000 followers. And he said, uh, 
he doesn't think this is um, something that's being um, rigged artificially. If anything, it's like what you're saying. It's being unrigged from the way it was before because he's getting a lot of followers that show up that are verif- they're verified accounts. They're blue check marks. So this isn't some, some kind of, you know, scam thing that they're setting up. Yeah, I like some of the uh, some of the testing. Um, I think Michael Knowles' very first tweet just to see is this really, you know, <laughs> are things really changing that quickly was that the 2020 election most definitely was rigged. Yeah, he's definitely on that side, although I don't know how he defines rigged, but it's so funny because there are other people, you know, that are part of the Daily Wire, which of course is who he works for, that say most definitely it wasn't. So, it, Well, I think that he is of the... I think that he's of the mindset when he says rigged, I don't think he means fixed. I think there's a difference between rigged and fixed. I know there really shouldn't be, but I think that he means as far as like contributions in kind from social media and how, you know, the the media, the social media, uh, fact checkers, we're all on one particular side. I think that's what he means by rigged because that obviously is a big deal. Right. And and things like Twitter that were sh- shadow banning or eliminating certain people in stories that wouldn't let things get through. So they were manipulating the information that people could get uh, their, their hands or eyes on. Um, as well as, you know, I, I don't think anybody disagrees that there was a lot of shenanigans. Well, he specifically, he talks specifically about like in um, Pennsylvania where they violated their own constitution by changing uh, the election laws um, without approval of their state assembly. Um, he talks about... Um, you know, all the places where, uh, well, this Dinesh Souza movie that's coming out. I mean, that's those kind of things. You know, all the mail-in balloting he talks about, you know. I mean, those are not normal things. So yeah, I don't he, think he's, he's not talking about voting machines being, you know, com- programmed or, or, or hacked. But he's talking about all these other aspects of the election. Yeah. Um, I... I can't wait to see that the but the the three the three minute trailer or whatever it is for that two thousand mules, um, Dinesh D'Souza movie. Even that trailer freaked me out. So that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see that whole thing. Yeah, I heard somebody uh, quote the stat today that when he was elected, uh, Biden's approval rating amongst blacks was eighty seven percent, and currently it's at sixty seven percent. That is, that's uh, bad. That is, uh, yeah, that's catastrophic. Yeah, that's definitely not good. I mean, because that they they definitely need that. They they're also getting a little bit uh, freaked out by this whole um, the Hispanic community, especially in Florida, like Cuban. Um, there's a couple of actual Spanish speaking conservative radio stations, I guess, or radio shows that have started. Did you hear about that on Dan Bongino? That's, no, that is that's really starting to freak them out. No, I just heard that they have um, a lower approval rating among Hispanics than he does than whites, and that's pretty significant. Yeah. yeah, and because of all of that, and also because of Twitter and this threat of free speech, you know, as crazy as that sounds, we have a new disinformation governance board that falls under the Department of Homeland Security. This is a message from your Disinformation Governance Board. We are at war with Eurasia. 
We have always been at war with Eurasia. You have seen, heard, and read of the atrocities committed by the Eurasians, and together with our allies in East Asia, we must put an end to their evil, vile state. Serve the party and remember our slogans. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength. And don't forget, Big Brother is watching you. That is the Ministry of Truth. Without a doubt. I mean, everybody's made those. Everybody's made uh, the connection there. That's that's absolutely what it is. And the woman that they put in charge of it is a lunatic. Yeah, uh, Nina Jankowitz. Um, she's like queen mis- disinformation. Uh, it, it makes no sense. The thing that struck me about this when I first heard about it was not just that th- they were putting together this uh, disinformation governance board, uh, you know, or AKA Ministry of Truth, but that it's within the Department of Homeland Security. The, that tells you something um, where they placed it. You know, they didn't place this in like, you know, um, the State Department or something like that. They placed it in Homeland Security. They're using well, yeah. they're using the going to the intent is to use this as a law enforcement weapon. Yeah, and, and Jen Psaki specifically said in a press conference um, that same day that it is meant to sp- to to stop the spread of disinformation within the country. Right. So you're right. That's the reason why they wouldn't put it under anything um, Department of uh, well they wouldn't put it in like the state department, but they also wouldn't put it in DOJ because it's a clear first amendment violation. And the only way that they're even going to be able to kind of come close to enforcing some type of law that this, that that this would bring about would be to call it terrorism or something. So you got to put it under DHS. Well, this is something that strikes me, and I want to I want to go back to that point though in a minute. But think about this: we have an agency, which the agencies in, and this is one of the biggest problems we have in our federal government. We have these agencies of unelected people, basically making policy and enforcing policy all throughout our country. They're not Congress people; they're not elected officials. Here we have an agency essentially creating another agency. Think about that. Think about how well, far removed that is I mean, from what is intended by our Constitution. Yes, the DHS doesn't get to directly do it. Now, we don't know who's actually pulling the strings, but the way it works is that the DHS falls under the executive branch. So technically, it's the executive office that is what created this new board. They just placed it under DHS. But DHS themselves didn't create it supposedly Biden did. We all know that that's ridiculous because he doesn't create anything. But, but to have an drool. agency within an agency. Yeah. I mean, well, there, there's all kinds of agencies within agencies. I mean, under the Department of Homeland Security now is the Secret Service. There are there are agencies. Well, that, the F, it wasn't the FBI created there, is in the, the FBI is in the DOJ. You know, I really um, kind of started wondering about if we should start referring to um, president biden as the late joe biden because you think he's dead he, he is so far gone i mean we laughed yeah. and kind of chuckled you know uh, here for a while but i've heard a few things in the last couple of weeks that are really 
really uh, it's bad. It's really bad. And did the, the, the one where you kept you trying mean to him say trying to say kleptocracy? Yeah, but did at yeah. the but what struck me even more about that clip was at the end of it his laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, but we're laughing about it again because there's oh not really much gosh. else to do. But no, I just kind of think that maybe to drive the point home, we should just start referring to him as the late President Biden. Well, Stephen Crowder never stopped calling him yeah. former, former Vice President. President Joe Biden. That's what he calls him to this day. What was the point, though, that you were making? I said I wanted to go back to. I don't know. Oh, the fact that they, they put it under DHS for a reason. They didn't put it under DOJ because they're going to try to link it to terrorism. Oh, or I know. Something. Okay. So when uh, Mayorkas, the director of DHS, was oh, in front yeah. of Congress the other day, there was, a, and I don't, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but it was a, floor, it was a congressman from Florida said, okay, you've stated about how white supremacy is this major danger in the United States, and you are going to prosecute it as terrorism. He said, can you name me one case that you've solved, that you've prosecuted, that you've made? Name one. The guy, of course, Mayorkas had nothing. Nothing. They've done nothing because it's not a real thing. I, I, he didn't have a single answer to any question. N- he couldn't answer any questions. Where are the 42 terrorists that you knew that you know of that came across the southern border? You know who they were and you know they came across a border. Tell me where they are. Oh, I can't. I don't know where they are. Right. And he's he's the guy at the top of the, the agency that's going to be heading up this uh, disinformation governance board. And yet he said uh, he said about they're referring to uh, immigration when he was being questioned. He said the system was broken when we took when our administration t- you know, took over, he said, uh, the illegals, uh, we don't have a system to process, uh, process them properly, and they're coming in such large numbers, we can't, uh, we can't control it. Okay, let me take those three specific things that he said. One, when, once Trump took office, um, immigration went down significantly. Now, they had a hard time keeping it down because they got taken to court. Every ruling that they put into place, everything they put into place to try to keep uh, immigration under control, they got challenged in court. So it was a real struggle. But it was certainly much more under control than it is now. There was a system for processing these people. They knew who they were. They had an agreement with Mexico to remain in Mexico. They couldn't come into the United States, and Mexico was participating in that. And the numbers were not so high that they were overrun. The numbers did not go up to be so high that they couldn't control it until basically the Biden administration told everybody, come on in. We'll let you in if you show up at our border. So all three of those answers that he gave are all misinformation. And yet he's in charge of the agency that's going to be in charge of misinformation, you know, enforcement. And individual people and I really even the press. I'm not so sure that, number one, who can who gets to classify something as misinformation or disinformation? But I, I'm not entirely sure that even spreading that should be illegal, except in front of Congress. Well, and especially if you can prove that you they're knowingly doing so. And if they're not knowingly doing so, then that means they should be fired for incompetence. It, it's one or the other. Um, but, I mean... Again, who who gets to define what misinformation is? He is just lying, right? And and that is just lying to Congress. Well, it's like which is a crime. It's like the person that they've selected to run this, this Nina Jankowicz. Um, she was a big Russian Trump hoax promoter. 
She thought that was very legitimate and promoted it, which we know. And that the Russian laptop. Right. The Hunter Biden laptop was a, was the, Russian, was disinformation. a Russian disinformation. And we know all that is false, and yet she's going to be in charge of the disinformation governance board. Yeah, I thought that all 50 of those Intel, you know, community veterans that that signed the thing saying that it was Russian disinformation, I thought they should all lose their security clearance and be fired from whatever job they hold immediately. But instead, a woman who pushed that story forward is who we're getting as our head of Ministry right. of Truth. Right. We are in full on, uh, you know, 1984, Brave New World. Um, this is... Full on. I mean, th- this stuff that we're going to be facing, if, if this has gets any kind of traction, um, we're going to make, you know, Pravda look like the cartoons, the, sunny, the Sunday funny paper. This is a message from your disinformation governance board. We are at war with East Asia. We have always been at war with East Asia. You have seen, heard, and read of the atrocities committed by the East Asians. And together with our allies in Eurasia, we must put an end to their evil, vile state. Serve the party and remember our slogan. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. And don't forget, Big Brother is watching you. So... Apple and Google are already talking about removing Twitter from their app store just because Elon Musk has it and because it isn't going to be um, it isn't going to be censored. So, yeah, if they do that, you know, now that other people have kind of come up to speed with hosting, um, starting to, to get other ways to get on the Web other than AWS to get out on the internet. Um, if there are other options, AWS is going to lose a tremendous amount of business because nobody's going to want to work. No, no right wing, no conservative group is going to want to work with them because they know that they'll just run the chance of getting shut down. In fact, in fact, Amazon for the first time has in a long time lost money last quarter. Yeah. Um, Truth Social started to get a little bit better from how terrible I've described it in the past. Um, One of the biggest things is it's running a little more smoothly because they're hosted by Rumble now. I mean, they are Rumble ended up basically, I think, creating their own servers. Um, And Truth Social is now on those servers. So, I mean, it's not... And also, what better person to just build a whole server farm i mean he could host twitter himself elon musk could host twitter himself yeah i heard uh somebody i've only heard one person make this comment but it was very interesting that he knows he's going to get kicked off of the app store twitter will get kicked off the app store because of him but that plays right it because they think that he is going to introduce his own smartphone why wouldn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's a good idea. Um, I'm not going to buy into it. I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. He's already got his... Elon Musk basket. He's already got his own satellite internet system. I mean, yeah. a phone a phone is just a logical extension of that. So That would be pretty interesting for all your cell phones to basically be satellite phones, something that used to be unheard of. You know how expensive satellite phones were and still basically are to this day? 
satellite phones are expensive. If he could all of a sudden turn his Elon phone into, uh, you know, a satellite phone, yeah, that'd be kind of a big deal. The e phone. The e phone. I heard somebody. I heard Glenn. About the, about the e the e t <laughs> e t phone home. Glenn Beck was uh, saying he he thinks that uh, Elon Musk is the Howard Hughes of our day. I heard, and he was talking to Michael Malice, and Malice says, "Yeah, he goes, you know how he ended up." <laughs> I, I think they both got some good points. I mean, it, it's I don't know. I I still don't know what to make of Elon Musk. Um, I mean, I'm happy to see with what he's doing with Twitter, but I I'm not happy that we got to have some you know bazillionaire oligarch, um, you know accomplish this what we the people should be doing you saw um i know you saw it because you mentioned it to me before we started recording the graphic that elon showed with the expanding political spectrum line so it shows somebody standing slightly in the blue um you know slightly left of center but that line keeps expanding because the democrats keep running you know the leftists keep running their extremist side so far left and that if the person stands still, eventually they're right of center without have move without moving at all. Um, and Elon tweeted that out, um, saying, yeah, essentially, it's the it's the illustrated version of Reagan's. I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. Yeah, it shows that the conservatives have not really changed their position. The right is still pretty much where they've been. I, if anything, I would argue they're a little farther left than they used to be. But they're basically unchanged. And that Elon Musk puts himself on the line where he used to be a little bit left of center. But it's moved so much that now he's a little bit right of center. And that the left has gone extreme, you know, extreme left. And they're standing over there yelling at the right and calling everybody else bigots. Um, and it was interesting because I had just made uh, a note of this the day before saying how the left always attacks the conservatives when they respond to cultural changes. Things like wanting to teach gen- uh, um, gender theory to you know kindergartners and third graders and stuff. And when the, re- the right responds and said, no, we're, n- we're not doing that, then they go – then the left goes, well, oh, you're always wanting to fight these culture wars, fighting these culture – no, I mean – that's not we're we're simply responding. We're not fighting cultural wars. It just and then the truth of that is in the name itself. Conservatives are conservative because they want to conserve the institutions, the culture, the moral standards that exist. That means basically hold steady, conserve those things that are good. And the other the left calls themselves what? Progressives. They are trying to progress, to move forward, to change institutions, morals, codes, uh, culture, all those things. It's right in the name. Which is ironic because they're regressing into the same failed political ideas that have existed for a thousand years. But anyways, I wrote that down and then I got up this morning and saw Elon Musk's tweet, which basically illustrates what I was what I was writing. Um, the only thing is that I, I'll openly fight the culture war. And if you say I'm fighting a culture war, I'll say, you know what, in the last year, yeah, I will fight the culture war because they have been and we've been losing badly. Um, what was Breitbart's thing? Politics is downstream of culture. culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's true. I mean, if you shift the way that everybody lives... 
and everybody see if everyone's perception shifts then so will their political perception i mean it's the same thing it's the same well i was watching something recently where um there's a man behind so much of this gender uh lgbtq uh over the last you know 20 years or whatever he's a again billionaire he and he's but there's all kinds of names and organizations i can't remember all that stuff but anyways he's put like 336 million dollars into pushing all this gender stuff he was the primary driver behind getting gay marriage um he was primary in going having organization an organization that went after like the um master key piece bake shop in colorado uh they've uh, funded and put thousands of these gender uh books in in um school libraries and stuff i mean it's millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars are purposely pumped in and and he says that even after the gay he said even after the uh, gay marriage uh, passed that he was not going to stop until all of the evil people are punished and so you and i would fall in the evil people category and he wants to punish us for our beliefs he's not stopping gay marriage is not enough he's going to go to whatever extreme it takes to do what he thinks punish the evil people this this isn't just happening kind of by happenstance all this stuff is very purposeful is what i'm is just really the point i'm trying to make there are people out there who are trying to destroy these things in fact i i mean i put in our notes this whole idea we've talked about the great reset you know we're not the only obviously there's a lot of people talking about the great reset because the world economic forum and others use the world the term the great reset but it really to me starts it's the great destruction um they everything that is being done is meant it's all destructive. It's all harmful. If you want to do things that would destroy, I mean, this would be your agenda. No, yeah. If, to, to put it as simply as possible, think about everything they've been doing and then think to yourself, if you were trying to absolutely destroy everything, what would you do differently? And the answer is basically nothing. Right. I mean, they, that they're doing a really good job. I mean, it's, it's, you're, so it has to be on purpose. They're carrying out policy that's, causing inflation and and it's so it's so easy it's so obvious um and everybody can see it the supply chain problems that we have the food shortage they tell us that's coming and then it sounds like they're doing things to create the food shortage with burning up you know all these food processing plants it just makes you wonder all the gender stuff the race the race baiting the immigration that they're just throwing wide open uh defunding the police and, and with crime, wokeification of the military, on and on and on. All these things are destructive. It's like a purposeful destruction so that when it gets so bad, people go to their government, save us, save us, and then they implement the Great Reset. Yep, I've said it before, and this is basic. I've said it before. This is just a basically large-scale version of Obamacare. Obamacare was specifically designed to fail so that everyone would say, oh, dear leader, please help us give us universal health care. Yeah. And the, the guy who designed the Obamacare website said so himself. Yes. And, and my only point is this is purposeful. This isn't just a large-scale version of that. Right. This isn't people struggling to figure out what the best thing to do is and making some mistakes along the way and, and things kind of just naturally flowing along and this is what unfolds. These are all purpose-driven things. Yeah, have you seen how all the um, those hardcore sanctions that we've put on Russia have caused the ruble to basically be at an all-time high? The value of the ruble is yeah. higher than ever. 
Yeah. This is um, something. That's what I mean. You should just stop. Like what the sanctions you're doing. If it's, if you're having the opposite effect, just do do the opposite, George Costanza, because what you're doing right now is not working. Yeah, I I don't know where this thing is. It that I I see now. It looks to me that the whole Ukraine situation is just a proxy war that people in the United States, these people in the United States wanted, and they're just getting rich off of it. It goes clear back, Eisenhower warned clear back in the 50s to be aware of the military-industrial complex, and it's still going on in 2020. Well, we had to have a, we had to have a new, a new proxy war because we're out of the Middle East now. And how are they going to make money? They had to start another war to make that up. Right. Well, let's talk about money. You said to make, to make money. Every... I did some research on this the last couple of days. Virtually every first, and there's only a couple, and second world countries in the world um, have debt. They're in debt. Everybody in the world that's anybody has spent more money than they have taken in in GDP, taxation, you know. that um, Everyone is in debt. So the, who owns the, the, debt? the U.S. is in thirty trillion dollars of debt, for example. Uh, right now, Japan is the largest holder of our debt. They buy our bonds, they buy our debt, so and we sell it to them, and so that we can continue to fund our deficit spending. But the, here's the thing: Japan is in worse shape than we are. We, we, we buy each other's debt, and so how do how do they keep going? Well, we buy their debt. And China and Germany and UK and Russia and on and on and Brazil and Argentina and Venezuela and on and on and on. Everybody is buying each other's bonds, buying each other's debt. And yet all of these countries are in debt. There is no real money. It, it, it doesn't exist. This is all we are in a worldwide Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the ultimate counterfeiting because they buy physical goods with money that doesn't exist because they're the because they have the mint. Yeah, but eventually, all debt gets paid, one way or the yeah, other. But you're, at, but you're at a point where, and I don't know where if we own Japan's debt, Japan owns our debt. Why not just cancel what's there and even it up? I guess you could do like a claiming of bankruptcy, but there's a lot of pain in that, a lot of suffering for the people of that nation or any nation that goes into that. Um, Because how do you conduct business? Nothing has value and you don't know what the value is. And the bottom line is everybody forget about televisions and iPhones and, you know, all those kind of, and even cars People need to eat and they need to be warm. How do you, when it becomes difficult to do those things, you've, you know, you have real problems. And there is no, there is no, nobody has any real money out there. There is no equity anywhere. It's all debt. Get some tangible things. Well, that's what. Have some physical assets. People that are, people that have 
money, wealth, that's, we've, we're becoming an asset economy. That is what they're doing. The people that are in the upper class and they, they are going out and purchasing assets. That we, yeah, that is what we're, that's what's happening. But there's a lot of people that can't do that. Well, yeah, you can get, there's small scale assets, things that have a long, things that have a long shelf life that have trade value. Well, stuff that you can use as money. Yes, there is. But again, we're talking about a whole different economy at that point. Yeah, a very different world. I I, I pulled these up. Yeah, an economy of things that have that have value. Yeah, that keep you alive too. But I mean, just, but you then you're just existing at that point. That, that's yes. my point. You're just existing. Eighty um, percent of all U.S. currency in existence has been printed in the last two years. I heard that a little while ago, and that's insane. The United States has printed more money printed more money in June of 2020 than in the first two centuries after its founding. The um, what? This is a guy who wrote Morehead. He said last month the U, and this I think he's talking about June or whatever. And it was in some time in 2020. The U.S. budget deficit, 864 billion, was larger than the total debt incurred from 1776 to the end of 1979. Now that's deficit. That's not debt. That's that's the amount of money we spent more money that month than what we took in. 864 billion. So we ran a deficit that month and that was more than we'd had in 203 years prior from 1776 to 1779. What do you but think yet, our deficit's going to be after the Ukrainian Well, thing? that's just it. We, we just sent $33 billion to Ukraine. Where did that come from? What, what is that? What is that? Imagination. Insert SpongeBob Not, popping out of his box no, and saying imagination because that's what it is. So along with the $33 billion that was sent uh, to Ukraine, I also heard uh, that they're actually starting to murmur that they're sending so many weapons that if we actually had to use them to go into a real conflict, we would not have the weapons that we need. Yeah, Canada said that a long time ago. Um, I can't remember. It was maybe a month ago already where Canada said we've exhausted our reserve of small arms. Um, so so that, that's been going on. But now it's happening to us. I mean, we're sending small arms. We're sending like m4s and stuff i thought they're all using ak's and uh shooting five four five so what are they going to do with a bunch of five five six and m4s i guess if you give them enough of it hey they may have more m4s than they ever had ak's at this point if we're giving them all of our stuff yeah well they can go to the taliban in afghanistan probably and get a bunch of weapons that we left behind yeah some night vision <laughs> some helicopters. They'd be all set. They, I'm sure they got some anti-tank stuff and service-to-air, you know, shoulder-mounted service-to-air. It seems like Ukraine has about as much of that as they could possibly ever imagine right now. I don't think that—that's one thing they might not be hurting for because they have blown up a lot of tanks. I think, I think, you know, and that's, that's the other thing is I decided a, a while ago that— I just don't even, I don't want to talk about Ukraine all that much. I mean, I, I'm okay talking about the money and how ridiculous it is that we're spending what we are. 
on the defense of a country that is not our own and also has never really been our friend in the past. But as far as the details of what's going on there, I don't know. Nobody knows. I saw a video of Malcolm Nance there in like full uh, fighting gear, and that just made me think that the whole conflict is fake. That that right there is the one piece of evidence that make that would make me say the entire thing is fake. There's certainly a lot of propaganda. Yes. Because I don't believe that a 60-year-old fat journalist uh, is going there to fight on the front lines. You saw the video of him doing that interview. You saw the video of him doing the uh, interview. They put it on TikTok where in the mid-interview he's like, are we in an air raid? Yeah. That was ridiculous. He's like, he's, stand by. Cruise missile, stand by. There will be three, 15, 14, 13. And then it like blows up way early and he goes, oh, cruise missile, stand by. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I can't comment on that. It was, it was so I just, I just, and and right when that happened, I just thought to myself, well, there's no, there's no actual war. I'm, the whole thing is, it's a, it's just a, a scheme to make money. I'm trying to remember in doing these podcasts that I'm still a minister of the gospel, so <laughs> I just can't comment. Okay. Moderna is petitioning under the emergency use to get their vaccine authorized for six months to five-year-olds. But how does that work? Because Anthony Fauci, the science, said that we're past the pandemic stage. So why would we authorize an emergency use for a vaccine? Because the new, the new science is Jen Psaki, and she immediately said afterward that that's not true. I heard him come back and say, like, basically, oh, I should have used what I meant to say is that this one particular part of the pandemic is over, but we're, we're not over with the pandemic. He said, I can't remember what it word was for said. word, we are out of the pandemic phase. Yeah. And then he and then he went back and he said something else the same day. And at the same time, they are literally caging people into their buildings in Shanghai. And now they're saying they may shut down Beijing. You want to talk about having an effect that's going to show up on the world supply chain. That's going to show up. Well, it wouldn't have if we didn't rely so heavily on them for manufacturing. Right, but we do. I know. So, give me some headlines. All right. Here's some headlines that I had. So basically, when I think of these kind of jokes, you know, I see a news story and I think, oh, that could be a funny joke. I just write it down in this notebook and then I go in later when I write it and I write a lot more detail in. So you're going to get the raw first take reactions that I had to some headlines. Daily Mail reported that white supremacists hijacked the movie The Northman because everyone was white. It's a movie about Nordic Vikings. They were all white. Other things that pointed to white supremacy were loyal women and committed mothers. I guess next time they should defy racial stereotypes and instead of a movie, they should hijack a plane. (laughs) That is problematic for them. California lawmakers propose a four-day work week. 
most Californians are upset they'll have to work four days now. <laughs> Rhode Island Dem- Democrat proposes taxing the unvaccinated double on state income tax, probably to make up for all the dead vaccinated. <laughs> You're going to definitely hear from the uh, disinformation <laughs> governance board on that. <laughs> um Five black bears were hibernating under a home in South Lake Tahoe, California, for months. When the bears woke up, they were very upset to find the new renters eating their porridge and sleeping in their beds. Japan has intensified the search for a missing tour boat. Most believe the ship may have crashed due to unintentional sabotage by its first mate, Girigan. <laughs> <laughs> Way too low. <laughs> LeBron James makes a bold statement that he will not miss the postseason again in his career. I assume that is his roundabout way of saying he's retiring. That'd be great. Joe Biden has announced that all military vehicles will soon be climate friendly after being informed that making an electric tank is not possible. The White House put out a statement that he just meant they'd paint them green. Yeah, I, I want to see, I, when I heard that headline, I thought to myself, my thir- first I want to see them make a Mach 2 plus airplane without jets, without jet fuel. What about a tank? It's unbelievable. You can't, that, you can't make, what are you going to do? Just have like a bunch of Tesla little plug-ins out in the middle of whatever theater that we're fighting in and expect to be able to, you know, ask our enemy not to shoot at us. Hang on because we're charging up our tank. You know, I don't know if people realize that even if you have the heavy duty hookup for a Tesla, it takes all night to charge it to get a full charge. It, it's, it's like an you know, 8 to 12 hour process. It takes all night. You got to go home, plug yeah. it in, and you can be ready to go the next morning. If it's on your like regular 110, you're talking like three days. Yeah, if you just plug it into like a 20 amp outlet, like a wall outlet, it'll take it will take you forever. Unless you have some specialized, and even then, if you have something specialized, you're right. It it's going to take you all night. It to takes charge all night. It. Now you can go to like these superchargers that are built into grids, and you know you can charge up in. 45 minutes or so but you can't put that in your house because the the actual infrastructure that feeds your house is not capable of doing that right and if you had to pay for it it cost you a fortune you can't nobody can afford it so what does it cost to plug into one of those things when you're on the road i mean i don't know is it i have to to imagine filling up with a tank of gas i don't know i have to imagine I don't know. I don't have to drive an electric vehicle, but I'm guessing you put your card in there and it charges you like per kilowatt hour like they do for regular power. And not only that, um, I don't spend 45 minutes at a gas station. No. When I'm on the getting gas. Oh, yeah. My truck gets like if I fill my tank all the way, I'll get like 700 miles on a tank. And then I stop for like five minutes and I fill it up again and I'm gone. And I also uh, when I plug into that high speed super duper 45 minute charger i can see the black smoke just beginning to billow out of the factory that's burning coal to produce that electricity i've seen videos of someone charging their electric vehicle and they take this video and they follow the line that's feeding the charger because they hear a humming over in the distance and they follow it behind this fence and there's just this giant diesel generator running and producing power um i saw a video where they were demonstrating a, a new chevy 
um, electric vehicle. This was a few years ago, and uh, they they were all out there like looking at it, and they're like, "Ooh, where's the batteries?" And looking at the batteries, and some journalist finally asked and said, um, "What what's the power for this?" She, where's the power for this coming from? And she's like, oh, the building? And they're like, no, where's the power for the building coming from? And she's like, well, in this area, we're about 75% coal. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more, but it's not as good. I don't know if it would have made it in. Al Sharpton's calling for protests over the police shooting death of Patrick Lyoya, saying it's, quote, time to fight again. Law enforcement is not as concerned that he's basically inciting a riot as much as the federal government doesn't appreciate that he also told everyone not to pay their taxes. Well, at least he's consistent on that one. He doesn't pay his. I know. <laughs> and then and then my my ultimate joke. This one's this is a joke to test to see how cool you are. I told you about it. I have this plan to create this nightclub this really exclusive nightclub and I'm going to put it somewhere in Alaska and it's going to be open like those times where it's dark all the time in Alaska so it's nightclub all the time go like nightclub 24/7 but the name of my club is going to be called Club Baby Seal <laughs> I don't know they'll have to create a tasteless dis- information department to cover <laughs> jokes like that yeah because it's, it's, it's not, not disinformation I, I it's just really tasteless it <laughs> <laughs> i disagree <laughs> wow I, do, I, I i like that club baby seal <laughs> Every, if you say it more it gets funnier <laughs> if you do it more it doesn't get funnier <laughs> That's how the natives hunt. I mean, they do club baby seals. All the wait staff are dressed as Eskimos. <laughs>